Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, at Big Meach 41, and soon to be on TikTok. That's right. Now, this is the special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. All right, I'm excited to welcome in this former Bearcat legend that played from 2008 to 2012. He was a huge recruit for Mick Cronin, and he was maybe the recruit that really jump-started everything for Mick and to get the program back to where it needed to be. And he played on really the last team to play in the Sweet 16, and he was a huge part of that team's success and the Bearcats' program success. I'd like to welcome in my guy, number 34, Yancey Gates. What's going on, Big Yancey? Uh, not much, not much. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you back in the natty? Yes, sir. I'm back in Cincinnati. Okay. How's your family? Uh, doing good. Um, everybody's just, you know, trying to stay healthy and, uh, and just, you know, maintain. Oh, we have a little pandemic going on. Crazy times, right? Right, right. Man. Now, um, one question I, I'm always fascinated with, and I always ask uh, every Bearcat that comes on here, and that is, how did you decide on jersey number 34? Because if I'm not mistaken, when you were at Withrow, you wore number 21, correct? Mm-hmm, correct. Okay, why'd you pick 34? Oh, okay. Well, when I was coming to Cincinnati, Mike Williams was an upperclassman, and he already had um, the number 21. So I kind of when I was when I was real young, Shaq was my favorite player. Okay. So, <laughs> makes so, sense. I, my, so when I first started playing AAU, we were called the, it was crazy because we were actually called for the night Bearcats my AAU team, and I wore 34 okay. at that time. So it just nice. it just kind of felt right to, since I couldn't get 21, I just went ahead and bounced back to my original 34. Wow, that's kind of crazy. That's a full circle thing. You wore 34 for your AAU team called the Bearcats. Mm-hmm. And then you end up wearing 34 for the Bearcats. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Crazy. Now, yeah. now, now, tell us about the name uh, Yancey, how you got the name Yancey. Uh, my mom and dad, they, they used to watch this old Western show. And, <laughs> and, that's, and they ended up naming me after this cowboy from the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's the yeah, story. Yeah, so I only, I only tell my mom. Uh, maybe the doctor gave you too many meds that day. Ended up working out. Though. <laughs> but you, but you know what, Yancey? It's it's unique, and and you know this, man. In the world of basketball, mm-hmm. there's so many kids that play. For example, when I run a basketball camp. You know, we have 50 to 100 kids, and there's John, there's Michael, you know, there's Larry. But if you have a kid named Yancey, you're going to remember that kid. (laughs) Right? Uh Yeah, a lot of of coaches have told me that, too. Yeah. So that's 
that's why I always said, man, I want to name my kids' unique names so, you know, it's easy to distinguish them and remember them. So, um, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Old cowboy. All right, Yance. <laughs> that's funny. Um, let, let, let's go back to the Withrow days. Um, obviously, you were a very accomplished uh, high school basketball player. Now, were you, were you always the biggest kid on, on all your teams, like growing yeah, up all always. the way through high school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always tall. Now, did it frustrate you that um, – and, and I don't know this to be true, but I'm, I'm assuming. Did they always play you down low? Did, you, did that frustrate you? Did you, like, want to get out and play a little guard? Uh, it actually didn't frustrate me because, like I said, Seth was my favorite player. So, you know, I think because he was my favorite player and at such a young age, I, I kind of embraced being big. Uh-huh. So gotcha. it was always, you know, just kind of natural. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. If you if you probably played, like if you were young coming up in today's game, mm-hmm. they'd probably run you on the wing a little bit more, don't you think? Oh, well, yeah, especially, I mean, that's the way the games are played now. So, yeah, they definitely would. Yep. Um, now, you were McDonald's All-American nominee. Um, you played for Walt McBride, right? He was a good mm-hmm. then. Yep. Yeah, Walt McBride. Yep. So, obviously, very accomplished in high school. Um, and and during that process, um, going into your senior year and beyond, talk to us a little bit about the process on recruiting. Like, what were maybe some of the schools that were recruiting you, and how did you decide on the Bearcats? Um, well, I, I had some, you know, I had some some real big schools coming. Um, I, I remember one uh, open gym at one time. It was uh, Thad Mata, uh Tommy Armaker was at Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. Huggins was Huggins was at K State. This was my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, Rick Bettino from Louisville was there. Wow! And I had all these I had all these guys there at the same time, and you know, at first you know it was kind of like, oh man, like, I'm meeting this coach, I'm meeting this coach, and then by my junior senior, that's when I started getting a little more used to it. So I think the more I got used to you know, the the big deal of big name coaches coming around, it was easier for me to take my decision based off, you know, basketball and just not a school's name. Mm-hmm. And um so I and it ended up really it ended up I ended up, you know, really liking U C because one, they were in the Big East. Mm-hmm. And I was set on playing in the Big East. Like towards towards the end of my junior year, I really had started wanting to play in the Big East because, you know, at that time it was – that's all that was – that was basketball in college. Absolutely. Was, was Big East basketball. Yep. And, you know, just going through the whole process. And then I got to know Coach Cronin. And, you know, the idea of being able to come to a big, big-time program, but that program was kind of on a down, mm-hmm. it was appealing to me instead of being one of the guys that do, you know, I'm going to just run to this school real quick. That's already good and become another name. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it was home and in the Big East kind of, you know, solidified it for me. But really what did it was <laughs> was my senior year we were playing, I, I want to say we were playing Telewanda in the tournament, and I went for 30. Mm-hmm. And we were playing in we were playing in the, in the arena at 530, and I was like, I told my one of my best friends, he's um he was the manager at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my brother was playing with me 
And I told him on the way to the locker room, I was like, man, I just had 30. And he was like, yeah, I was like, this was my second time having 30 when we played here. <laughs> he was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to come here. <laughs> and they were like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm coming here. This gym is good to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and that, and it kind of just went from there. You know, I got to know Kern a little better. And, you know, just talking with my family, you know, about me being home, close to home. And mm-hmm. it just it ended up just being a perfect place. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. Um, Now, going into college, obviously you, you being a – accomplished high school basketball player, you're 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 a big dude, you're gonna play in the big east. <clears throat> I know you have visions of playing in the NBA. So how how did you approach college knowing that you had a very good chance of playing in the NBA? So how how did you approach things? Um I think you know the the NBA thing was, you know, always, you know, the big goal. Mm-hmm. But I was actually just excited to be playing Division One college basketball. And mm. then on top of that, I was able to be playing in the best conference. I felt the best conference in the country at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it was all, you know, the NBA was always, you know, that dream. But I was, you know, just excited to be there and being right. on college campus, you know, enjoying that experience on and off the court. And I was – it was – you know, the NBA was still on my mind, but I was, you know, kind of focused on trying to be a good Big East player. Yeah, for sure. So so with that being said, okay, you get there, your, your freshman year, 2008-2009 season, and, and, and Yancey, like you said before, you know, the Bearcats were kind of down the year before and, and prior. Mick just is taking over the program. And really, you come in with a lot of high expectations. Mm-hmm. And – there's there's two things with that. I mean, you think about the high expectations that you come in with and you being a hometown kid, and it kind of reminded me of when Damon Flint mm-hmm. came to UC. You know, Damon Flint was a McDonald's All-American, you know, one of the top recruits in the country, and he's yeah. playing at home. There are a lot of high expectations with that. How did mm-hmm. you handle that your first season? Um, you, know, cause I, you know, at the time, I really didn't, you know, pay too much attention to like a lot of outside things mm-hmm. at the time you know social media wasn't that big and I wasn't on social media at all at the mm-hmm. time and I think that helped but just you know just really you know I just was focused on playing and enjoying it you right know, I really wasn't worried about and especially by me being a freshman I wasn't really worried about if I Fail or succeeded according to the expectations that people have for me. Mm-hmm. That was that was never really a thing for me. You know, I was just always worried about doing doing my part, trying to make this team as good as I can this year as a freshman. Do, and do I think, think that was kind of what kept me going. Do you think that mentality that you talked about, both you know the the NBA and then you know your approach, the expectations? That's a very mature – both your answers were very mature. Do you think your mentality and, and your mature thought process of that was due to your mom and dad and them, you know, kind of keeping you focused? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because, like you know, my mom – you know, my mom loves basketball. She loves watching it. You know, she still watches it to this day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just – they never put, like, that pressure on me uh, – all son, you know, the family needs you to go to the NBA. You know, like a lot of, you know, a lot of families put that pressure on their kids, you know. They do. 
they do. You know, we we need the family needs you to make it, and mm-hmm. this and that. And my mom and dad was just always like, "Man, we've been working our whole lives. Whether you make it to the league or not, we're gonna be <laughs> all right." <laughs> you know, yeah. so it was it was kind of like I was able to go in and embrace college instead of being that guy thinking, "Oh, I gotta I gotta do this for my family and get out of here in one year." Mm-hmm. You know, so, so yeah, I, you know, I do owe that a lot. I do owe a lot of that to my parents. And that's funny you say that because, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit further down, but one of your teammates, you know, Lance Stevenson, I mean, he's on mm-hmm. record, and it's on video where his dad is yeah. putting pressure on him at a young age that you need to get to the league so we can take care of the family. I mean, that's mm-hmm. on video yeah, of his I, dad yeah. saying that. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was even around that, you know, at camps a few times, you know, the Adidas camps and the NBA camps. And, yeah, yeah I know firsthand. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's tough. Well, well, you know, thankfully you had uh, good family support, good parents that, you know, kept your mindset at the, at the right level, especially mm-hmm. going into your freshman year. So let's talk about that season. Um, you know, you guys went 18 and four, uh, 14. Um, and it's kind of like you coming in, that's, it's Deontay Vaughn's team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, now how do you view your freshman year? And when you look back on it, how do you think you did and approached it? Um, I think I did, I think I did pretty good. I feel like I always, I'm a tough critic on myself. I always feel like I could have done done better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking back, when you're a freshman walking in, you don't realize how hard it's going to be in the, <laughs> the dramatic changes yep. into basketball that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because coming out of high school, you know how it goes. Practice all week play on Friday. Yep. You might lift, you might not play on Friday. And, but yep. college, you know, you get in there in the summer, you're running, you're lifting, open gyms, and then you have your summer workout with the coaches, and then that leads into, you know, your preseason, getting ready, conditioning, and then practice, and the real practice starts. And by, I say, after the first week of practice, I felt like I played the season. Yep, I know the feeling. Yep. So it was just, you know, if if I knew how hard it was going to be, you know, because when you're 18, 19, you feel invincible. So you know, you feel like it's going to be easy. Yeah. But if I would actually know, then I think I would have took maybe a a different approach. I maybe would have, you know, went to bed a little earlier this night or something on certain nights. But Mm -hmm. you know, overall, as a you know, being 18. Turning 19 when the season started, um, you know I I did you know my best. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, going through the grind of you know learning, you know your whole freshman mm-hmm. year you're learning until the season's over. Yeah. And then right when the summer starts back up, you're learning again. Because and I, yeah, and I liken it too. Like I, I think playing college basketball, it, it's a job. Mm-hmm. It is a flat out job because you got to lift, you got film. Mm-hmm. You got to study, um, you know. You got your scouting report, their games. I mean, it's just so much to mm-hmm. it. Along and in between with, all that, you have to maintain class. <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, and I, I don't know if you heard this. It's totally off subject, but <clears throat> I'm hearing that a lot of colleges in the future, very soon, will be going to strictly online classes for their student athletes. Um, so, for example, as you travel and you're in season you mm-hmm. can do all your stuff online because yeah. you know how tough it is, man, to go play 
at DePaul in February in the winter, travel back, then have to get up and go to class the next day when it's mm-hmm. cold. Oh, yeah. It's a grind, <laughs> it's a grind man. That wears yeah. you down. It's like right? dragging down the hill on the canvas. <laughs> and, you might have, and you might have packed as a weight later on that day. And like, yep. And it's just one of the mornings. And it's just like, oh, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> man, those. Oh, those yeah. Those dreadful walks into the uh, to the arena, knowing you got a lift or practice, and it's like, oh man. Oh yes, those freshmen, those freshmen rolls, man. Uh, when you walk into the arena for practice, <laughs> and you know it, you're in the grind in straight three four hours. Oh. And after that, you have maybe a night class, or you have to go back to study table to finish up some work that's due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the part a lot of people don't get to see from the outside. <laughs> they they don't. Not, and not only do the fans don't get to see that, mm-hmm. but I also think that young players that have aspirations for playing yeah. college basketball don't understand and they don't see that, right? Right. Yeah, that's true because I didn't really get to, get to see it until I started going on those visits. And mm-hmm. I would I would see the guys leave practice and I would go up to the training table and be talking to the guys, especially when I would do it at uh, UC because I was so close. Cincinnati, but I had a relationship with the guys before I even considered going there. With like the mm-hmm. Jamal Warrens and mm-hmm. even like Sid and Christian, and I would come up there for the open gyms and they would be there and I would be playing open gym. So, you know, I, I got to know those guys at 15, 16 years old, you know, personally. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got to see me leaving open gym, going to their summer classes, or Conan would invite me up. For uh, to watch a practice, and they go to study. Ta- they go to training table. Some go to study table. Some go to class. And you have some, you know, that could go home, but it was that was very few. And yeah. that's when I really seen that part of it. Yeah, and and as as a young person before getting to college, you you could. It, it's nothing like. It's it's so hard to prepare for that. Like mm-hmm. you just have to experience it. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. You just have to go through it, and I think. Like your freshman year, and for most college basketball players, that freshman year, man, you've learned so much. You just have to go through your your bumps and bruises. And as a team, you know, your guys' freshman year, Mm -hmm. it was kind of a tough season. You know, you look at the end of the season, and you guys lost, I don't remember what it was, like four games in a row in the regular season and lose to DePaul in the conference tournament. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't make the NCAA, right? Was that the year? Right. Yeah, didn't didn't make the NCAA. So I mean, that had to be that had to be tough. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially you know because we lost some games that we were capable of winning, but at the same time we were young. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing. Yep. And you know, teams were now because Vaughn had such a good year the year before. Now teams are coming in like you know. Deontay Vaughn's not beating us. <laughs> right. Right. So now you have our, you know, at the time that was our leader, our best player. So now he's getting double teams and seeing traps. Now you come in as a freshman or you have a sophomore, and you're expected to make big plays in big games that you've never been in before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some games, you know, you, you're in your rhythm. You feel good, you know, but some games when you're playing a pick, with Blair and the Sam Youngs out there that's veterans, as a, you're a freshman, it's like, oh, no, nah, you're not getting that all today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yep. 
but 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 it's all Yancy, it was all a learning experience and you 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 basically you catalog all that stuff when you mm-hmm. say okay i need to work and improve on these things so that my next year my sophomore year 2009 2010 season i'll mm-hmm. be better so what were some of those things you worked on from freshman to sophomore year freshman my freshman to sophomore year i was i really turned to learning basketball you know watching film Mm. On some of the old, like like uh, Blair. After we played Pitt, this was Pitt my freshman year. This was the first time I played a guy that I feel like he was able to get whatever he wanted while I was guarding him. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was stronger than me, even though I was taller, he was bigger than me. And so I went back. I remember going back, going shoemate. I need I need Blair's clips from rebounding. I want give me one from his offensive rebounder and his defensive rebounder because he was the best mm-hmm. rebounder. He was the best rebounder in the league full of bigs and he was six six. Mm-hmm. So that's actually where and people don't know this. Some people don't know I averaged more offensive rebound than I did defensive rebound. Mm-hmm. And I got that from watching Blair's weak side legend bigs under the rim as the guard from the other side is taking the shot. Mm-hmm. Because now that guy's under the rim. I can get a rebound without jumping if I'm going to because once he jumps, he's going to hit the rim. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from watching Blair. And it was just watching different people, watching Jeff Adrian's heads and flat heads and hard heads, different pick and rolls. Because my freshman year, I really struggled with pick and roll on offense mm-hmm. and defense. I struggled with it. Oh, it's the toughest like, thing to guard basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really struggled with that my freshman and sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just – just watching guys' footwork, and I just wanted to learn the game. I knew, you know, being with Dave and being with the coaches, I was, you know, I was gonna work on skills in the gym. I was gonna get stronger, faster. But I knew I needed to actually learn the game more. I need to study it. I needed to become more of a student to it instead yeah. of just, you know, trying to rely on what you could in high school, which was just your ability to be better than players. And, and I, I think that's a great point, Yancey. I think. And I tell this to young players today. I'm like, you have so much access to videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Pick somebody that is very similar to your style or does something that's one of your weaknesses and study them. Like study yep. their footwork. Study how they, you know, read the defender's feet, attacking the high foot. There's so much footage out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough players – do that, but you were doing that. You you decided I need to be a student of the game. Yeah, I needed to because it was like I had never been bullied. I guess you know I was always mm-hmm. the biggest. Yep. And it was games in the Big East playing against guys where couldn't like couldn't get to where I wanted to when I felt like it, like I was used to. Mm-hmm. And to just and watching those guys on defense. And, Watching some of their footwork on all, watching their footwork on both sides of the ball, really, and mm-hmm. you know, just seeing how they reacted to different situations, it really helped me going into my sophomore year, and even you know, junior and senior year. Mm. So, so overall, looking at your sophomore year, do you think, do you think you made the improvements you needed to from your freshman and sophomore year? Um, I think I made a jump. I did mm-hmm. make a jump. Um, you know, there was things that I got better at and there were still things that, you know, I need to work on, of course. Um, you know, having that year under your belt is going to help you just that alone. 
Yep. But, you know, I think going into my my sophomore year, I had a better focus going into games than I did my freshman year. Uh-huh. And I had a better understanding of knowing, like, okay, you're not you're not walking into a cupcake. Like, right. You're gonna have to either play or get killed. So, <laughs> right. I think, you know, I had I definitely had that working for me my sophomore year, and my my footwork was a lot better my sophomore year than my freshman year. Mm. Yep. That's, that, that's footwork for especially somebody your size. That mm-hmm. footwork is so very important. You look at. Um, you know, back in the day, Danny Fortson, mm-hmm. who eventually went on and, and had a great career in the NBA, he said that his improvement at UC was was all because of his footwork and his footwork improving. That's why he started taking boxing. I think he even mm-hmm. said he did like some ballet stuff. I can't see you doing ballet, Yancey, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. That stuff helps. That footwork, yeah. man, it's for a big that. guy. Yeah. Now. There, there, there's improvement um, that that second year is from a team standpoint. You guys go 19 and 16, um, had a good run in the Big East tournament, um, mm-hmm. make it to the NIT, which, you know, I look at that's an improvement from last year that DePaul lost no tournament to making a good run in the Big East and then mm-hmm. NIT. But let me ask you this. So you go two years in a row, Yancey, and you, you've not made the NCAA tournament, which is a, the NCAA tournament for, I want to say, 100% of the kids growing up that play basketball, they want to play in an NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. at that point, did you have any frustrations and think about transferring? Uh, I didn't think about transferring. Um, and my frustrations were more of what I got to do this all season. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I knew there was no way I was going to be a junior and still not make it. Mm -hmm. And that year coming in, I knew junior year, okay, now we're walking in. When we walk in the gym, this is pretty much my life now. You know, like Deontay was going on, Mr. Left. Yeah, we had upperclassmen, you know, Bishop and Ray Davis. But even those guys, you know, when we walked in the gym on the court, they looked at me. Yep, it's your team. mm -hmm. So then I knew I was like, okay, if I could come out here and, you know, do my part, I know, like, you know, we had guys like Rashad Bishop. You knew what you were good at every night from Rashad Bishop. You knew what you were good at every night from Larry Davis. And, you know, Cashman was up and down because of the knee, but you knew that the knee was feeling good what we was going to get from Dash. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had – that's when Justin Jackson came into a sense and, you know, we had that year was probably our deepest year. We had a lot of guys on the bench that could come in and play. Yep. And so, you know, that year my whole focus was just trying to make sure every game I did my part. Because I knew we had guys that were going to do their part. So I knew if I did my part, then it would put us in a position to win. And it ended up working out. <laughs> it did because you guys start off the season 15-0. and 0. You go mm-hmm. to Xavier and beat them by 20. Um yep. And you guys are you guys are rocking and rolling at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so let me let me touch on something you just said. Um, now you're the leader your junior mm-hmm. year. People are looking at you. Um, you have you know I think Sean Sean was young at that point, right? Kilpatrick and JJ yeah. were still young at that point. Mm-hmm. But that was remember that was Sean Kilpatrick's first freshman year playing. That was his first year playing my junior. That's right. Yep. 
You're right. Um, but you know, people are people are looking at you and 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 saying this in a way like you don't come across when you play Yancey as a like vocal leader. Like yeah. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You were right, you were and I had teammates like like Bobby Brandon who I played with was one of the best leaders I've ever been around, but he wasn't really a vocal leader. He led by example. He mm-hmm. did it different ways. Is that you doing it different ways? Yeah, and I wasn't really, you know, that you know that guy just constantly talking. But mm-hmm. I had such a good relationship with you know with my teammates, all of them. You know, I can't just I can't just pinpoint you know a particular one. I had a good relationship with the whole team, so. Mm-hmm. That made it easy because I could just walk over to them and be like, hey, hey come on, like, we're missing you right now. Mm-hmm. And they ain't taking no type of way. And we and we get to it. Or we're walking in the locker room and saying, you know, this is frustration might be high and people yelling. And we were all so close, you know, we could yell, cuss, and we wouldn't take it personal, you know. Right. We had, you know, every team has certain guys that can't talk to each other, but I can mm-hmm. talk to everybody. Mm. That, that made it easy. I mean, if you can do that, you're automatically the leader. Yeah. <laughs> regardless of yeah, regardless of what you do mm-hmm. on the court, if you have a relationship with everyone, flat out, you're the you're the leader. So, and listen, I think this season, your junior year, you guys go twenty six and nine, and I think this was the season where things really started to turn the corner. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 you could feel the excitement coming back to the arena, the fan base, you know, yeah. getting engaged again. You guys finally make the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, have to play a buzzsaw in UConn. They were right. just <laughs> yeah, they were Kimba, just yeah, yeah, they they weren't yeah with Kimba. They weren't they weren't losing. But <laughs> you guys were really starting to turn the corner. So this is the season that. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about, and that's your senior year. So, mm-hmm. 2011-2012, this is your last year. This is it. So, what is your mentality going into your last year? And the reason I ask you this question, Yancey, is because my former teammate, Kenyon Martin, I can remember his mindset going into his last year, and he just had this urgency, and mm-hmm. it was – like nothing I've ever seen before. He was like, and he would always say, look, for some of y'all, y'all are coming back next year. For me, this is it. Yep. I want to go out on top. What's your mentality going into your last year? Yeah, and it's funny you say that because my junior, my junior year, you know, like I said, we had a lot of players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in, in practice, when practice was really long, you know, I would kind of, you know, sneak out a little bit, put one of the younger guys in, make them practice a little bit. <laughs> yep. You know, get your ass back in, you know, jump back, so I'll jump back in real quick, you know, but mm-hmm. my senior year, Kona had to make me take a break in practice. I wouldn't come yep. out. The whole three hours, I was having to say that day, if you had a angry, real Kona, five hours, I don't know, whatever it was on that day, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't come out. I didn't want to come off the floor because I knew this, this was my last practice on – for November 10th, this is going to be my last November 10th practice yep. in college. And, yep. and that was just my whole thing. Like weights, practice, everything. I was there up front doing, giving it everything. I even, I, uh, 
I spent time boxing. Coach Tony had hit me up with a guy. Spent mm-hmm. time boxing that summer. Uh, mm-hmm. And was just trying to make sure that when I came into my senior year that I was ready. Like, mentally, physically, I was ready. For, mm-hmm. I would be ready for anything. And, mm-hmm. and I, I know it was just... You know, like you said, that sense of urgency. You know, I'm not, I'm not coming back to college after this. this right. Is it. This is it. And, and just imagine, I always tell players this: like that urgency and that mentality you have going into your senior year. Imagine if you had that years prior. Right. Like, you know, what I'm saying it, it would mm-hmm. just. But I mean, that's life. You can't go back and do it again. It is what right. it is. So let's let's talk about this senior year. Um, listen, I think going into this season. Man, the expectations were extremely high. Like mm-hmm. the fan base now is through the roof. Everyone's like, "This is the squad," mm-hmm. um, and, and you could just feel the excitement. You, uh, Kilpatrick, Dion, Cash, Parker, yep. Justin Jackson. Like, I'm feeling like this is the team, man. There's experience. There's great guard play. Mm-hmm. You down there dominating, like. Justin with the energy, like the pieces are there. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Bearcat basketball is back. And you guys start the season and lose to Presbyterian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, what the hell? So let's t- talk to- talk about that a little bit. Man, that was – honestly, I think that Presbyterian game was good for us because, like you said, expectations was high. And we had high expectations for ourselves. But, you know, sometimes when you have high expectations for yourselves, sometimes that gets a little – comes with a little cockiness, too. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that can turn bad. You know, so we, we coming in now, we like oh, – we know what we're doing now. we older. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been through this. We've been through that. Like, you can't tell us Presbyterians coming in is going to even be close. Right. So, you know, all right. the game. And it was crazy because we actually started off, we jumped on them, and then the second half, we came out, and we was like we turned it off in the locker room, and we never turned it back on. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the best thing that happened to us because we didn't walk in the locker room and do that the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, whether if it was Place the team or Syracuse, we knew we could lose. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that helped us. And that's a that's a good mentality to have. I know when I played for Huggins, he would always instill that fear in us. Like we would have a scouting report, and we would play like Nickel State, and he would have us so scared that the guard from Nickel State was going to drop fifty on us. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, "Man, if you lose to these bums, like <laughs> you're going to be front page on the newspaper. ESPN's yeah. going to dog you." But we had that fear. And so, like like you said, after that Presbyterian loss, kind of brings you back down and say, you know what? If you don't bring it every night, doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you play. Because shit, mm-hmm. I didn't. I hadn't heard of Presbyterian prior to that game. Fans right. hadn't. Everybody was like, who Me the either. hell? <laughs> right. <laughs> Me either. We heard about it when the schedule came out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's now. Now we got to talk about this. Obviously, um, unfortunately, in a lot of ways. Sometimes in life, man, you could do so many great things, and there'll be one moment that people always go to, and 
in some ways define a person by. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that Xavier game. Um, And I don't know how much you've talked about that game um, publicly after. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you had the press conference and all that, but I I do want to kind of dive into that game and and get a couple things answered. I know Bearcat fans kind of want to know, and I don't want to dig up old bones and all that, but what do you think really led up to that frustration, that game? Because the game was pretty much over. Xavier was up. Game's getting close to being over. And what, what, what do you think really led to all that happening? Man. Mm, that was that that probably started I would say maybe summer league, actually. Over there at Woodward playing at Devil Rose. Yep. Me and uh me and two was on teams. Mhm. And you know people get to talking, especially you know the people over at over at uh Woodward. Oh uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he should have been playing with two anyway. And, you know, my guards, you know, took away to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, the David Biggs took away to that. And um, and we were blowing everybody out, too. It was crazy. We were over there. And, mm-hmm. everybody out. Mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of, you know, it, just, it started off with a lot of little small talk. You know, guys talking back and forth. Who's better? Who's not? What guard better? Is Cash better? Is he better? And so, mm-hmm. you know, time goes on, you know, the talk still goes on. So, um, Kilpatrick was asked the question if Two Holloway would start for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And Sean asked, he answered it the way he should have answered it. No. You know, you ride, you always ride with your team. Yep, for sure. And, of course, you know, the Xavier people, they took that in some type of way. So, when the game starts, Two Holloway walks up and whispers into a uh, – SK's ear, and like, and he says, I can't remember. SK told me what he said. It was a while ago. I can't remember exactly what he said. He said some crazy. He said some crazy to him. Mm-hmm. And you know, the fans in Xavier chanting, "Who's killed Patrick?" And yep. It was intense, you know. And you know, the build up to that game is already intense. Practice, you know, nobody wants to lose that game. So, you know, when we we get to playing, and you know, Xavier jumps out on us. And, you know, it just gets more and more intense as it goes. And we had a lot of young players. And I remember telling the media, the media asked me, how do you get the young players ready for the Xavier game? I said, you don't get them ready for the Xavier game. You just have to experience. I said, there's no preparation in practice or anything that gets them ready for this game. Mm-hmm. And I learned that my freshman year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, some of the younger guys felt some type of way about it, like I said, like I was saying that they couldn't play. And at the time I was a senior, I was about to explain myself to a freshman anyway. So I was like, look, dude, I said what I said. He like, so you either going to practice or you ain't. So and I think just the whole emotion and the build-up leading to that game, to, And there was a lot of trash talk. Like, mm-hmm. there was even trash talk that I didn't even know. Like, um, after, you know, the whole thing died down, you know, just talking to coaches and stuff, you know, the things that were said, you know, to the coaches running up and down the sideline and Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, it was crazy. So, you know, when the whole thing, you know, kind of jumped off, it was just like, boom, it happened so quick. And it was just, and it just went from there. Uh, mm-hmm. the phone, it was suspended. And it was just, 
the brawl. That's what it's known as now. I, I know, crazy. <laughs> but but I, I, I'm glad you said all that because some folks think that that all started that game, like that there was trash talking that game. I'm like, no, you got to go back. That stuff, yeah. that stuff starts. That's why I asked the question, you know, and it all started back, like you said, with the Devros, and it kind of built up, and then mm-hmm. there's just all this all this frustration. Now, the million-dollar question, though, is why can't he freeze? Was that because he was the one right there? Uh, <laughs> man, Kenny Freeze, man. My freshman year, I never get Kenny Freeze head busting under the room. Yep, I remember. And that. nothing was ever said, nothing was ever done, no text, or nothing. So I, I kind of, I kind of always stuck with it mm-hmm. because you know, I was young when he hit, but I was kind of like surprised. Like it didn't really like hurt me or nothing, but it was like, you know, he just really head butted me, and it mm-hmm. was like, like come on, ref, like. There's no way I didn't see this. We were two bitches on the floor. Yep. You feel like so. And then Kenny Freeze, his trash talk was a little different. <laughs> his trash, yeah, his trash talk was a little, get a little personal. Yep. And then even then, it was kind of like you know, kind of also you know, once the brawl started, he was, he was the biggest on the floor. So that was yep. my job. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, it, was, uh-huh. man, it was it was just, it was just a lot, man. Like it was just one of those things that kind of happened, and once it happened, it started. And when it ended, it you, when it ended, you kind of stopped. Like, oh wait a minute, what just happened? Yeah. Like, and then, what were your thoughts like going back to the locker room and then in the locker room? Were you like, man, what just happened? Man, on the on the way back to the locker room, I grabbed Octavius Ellis. Mm-hmm. Cause he flew off the bench. Yeah. And when he flew off the bench, that's when it really like went. Mm-hmm. I grabbed him because that was like my little bro when he got there. He was always coming up to my room, hanging out. We was always in the grill. And I grabbed him. And I said, "I told y'all before the game. <laughs> like I told him, mm-hmm. no matter what, don't get into it with him." I got mm-hmm. told him. I told him. I said, "We're on the road too." I said, "Do not get into it with him." And everything was good until the end of the game. And somebody said something to G line. He was a freshman at the time. Yep. And they didn't know how to they didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And you know these are seniors talking to freshmen, so you know they're saying the most disrespectful thing possible that these freshman kids ain't probably heard from another high school kid before. Mm-hmm. And you know, tempers flared, certain tempers already high because we're losing. And it was just like, oh, my team's in it, I'm in it, you know. So, yeah. And, yeah. I'm, and I've, I've always been that type of guy. Like, if it comes to family, on my team because my team becomes my family. Like, and when I say my team becomes my family, it was literally because for Christmas, Thanksgiving, my, the teammates that couldn't go home, they went to my house to eat. Mm-hmm. So... My mom and dad knew. Well, I, the, my whole four years, I was in college. They knew Thanksgiving, Christmas, we used to bring it home at least four or five players with them. Mm-hmm. And it was, and that was the thing. So, you know, so it was kind of like we can do it. So I was like, I'm fighting. And it was like no second thought about it. <laughs> yep, yep. That's family to you. That's mm-hmm. family, and people are coming at family. So, yep. so you react now. 
after all this happens, um, how do you think like people treated you after that incident? Um, and, and what type of like messages were you getting? So at the time I was uh, I was on Twitter. I had got some really crazy messages. Oh, you know, not tell how I do if I see you, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know, this message would come through. Oh, you're a thug. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. Block button. No um, <laughs> block button. <laughs> yeah, so, and you know, just but the now the Bearcat fans, they were great because they, you know, they could have reacted however they wanted to. You know, mm-hmm. Bearcat fans, the administration, Coach Cronin, everybody was, you know, they could have easily just said, okay, it's over with. Sorry, Yancey, the season's over with. Blah blah blah, but they didn't, you know, mm-hmm. and so. And then plus on top of that, you know, my family, you know, I, I went home after that. Uh, I didn't even stay on campus for a couple of days. I went home mm-hmm. and just stayed at home, you know. Because one thing about my parents is my parents, you know, they're going to make sure I'm okay, but they're going to tell me the truth at mm-hmm. the same time. So, and, you know, that was one of the times where, you know, that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, you know, in the meetings with coaches and Cronin and, you know, the AD at the time and, you know, we're just talking and just talking, you know, the whole thing. And then when the six games came out, you know, that that, that was a blessing to me. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, six games. That's mm-hmm. a lot. And I'm like, nah, it could have been the rest of the game. Yeah. And for that to only have have only – and that – and in those six games, I only missed one Big East game, which was Pitt, and Pitt wasn't that good at the time either. Right? So, so mm-hmm. it was so like I wasn't missing nothing. Mm-hmm. It was like a blessing. <laughs> yeah. You know, now, and I do want to talk, we're going to talk about that here in a second about, you know, um, the games you had to sit out then, you know, when you returned. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but one more thing in regards to um, the, the brawl. Um, two questions with it. <clears throat> Did you ever talk to Kenny Freeze after? Yeah, we ended up talking afterwards. Um, I say it was, it, I, I think it was before the NCAA tournament when mm-hmm. I ended up uh, reaching out to him. I reached out to uh, Two, I mean, two was real cool. I reached out to two, and you got in contact with Freeze. You know, just to, you know, really for me, I, I want to apologize, you know, because mm-hmm. I knew he was dealing with it the same way that I was, but his mm-hmm. was even in a different way because he was a guy that got hit. Yeah. So, yep. you know, that's a totally, totally different, you know, thing he has to hear during games from fans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I wanted to reach out, you know, and make sure I apologize to him and, you know, just let him know, like, man, it was, like, it's not personal. It was just one of those things that was just in the heat of the moment. And, you know, he, he talked, he, you know, he said what he had to say about it. And we both kind of just wanted to reach out to each other because it was it was so much afterwards, you know, <laughs> things that we had to hear that yeah. really the only person you could, that could relate to it was freeze and for freeze the only person who can relate to it was me that's crazy so it was yeah. like you know we reached out to each other you know had a conversation about it. we were on the phone for a while so it was like about at least an hour like, like you guys mm-hmm. talked or text we talked we like oh we talked. wow i've never yeah. heard this i didn't know this yeah we talked i didn't i didn't want to send it through text or anything and we talked so i was able to get him on the phone and we talked and you know, oh, that's I mean, good stuff, man. I never knew this. Do people yeah. know that? Do people know nah. you guys? 
Now, a lot of people don't know because when the first question, when the first time that somebody asked me, had I reached out to Kenny Freeze, it was only two, three days after it had happened. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't. So, and, you know, it wasn't really talked about much after that, but eventually we talked for about an hour. And, you know, I just, like, I let him know I wanted to apologize. We just did it. And, like, we both kind of just wanted to date it with each other because of everything else that was going on on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of like, it was, that kind of made everything that fans and stuff wanted to say, it kind of made it irrelevant once me and him kind of was able to break it down with each other. And, you know, I was able to apologize. And we were able to talk and, you know, get off the phone cool. Yeah. So that kind of made the ragging from the fans, it didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. I did not know that. That's good stuff. So do you still do you still get asked a lot about that? Like when you're when you're overseas or just around town, is that still a a big topic? Oh yeah, yeah. Overseas, <laughs> overseas, <laughs> overseas is usually just you know the coach and the general manager. They they always want to ask about it because you know overseas the game is still ninety percent physical before anything. Mm-hmm. So you know. You know, they they always, you know, ask about it. They don't really judge me off of it because of the time period. Mm-hmm. But they do like to ask me about it. And, you know, it's okay with me. Yeah. Uh, more so in the city, you know, I'd be running around the neighborhood. You know, you, see mm-hmm. things, you know, like, man, I still remember when y'all was fighting. It's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that is going to be there forever. Yep, it is. It is. But and I think I I wish I'm glad you're doing this, like and you're talking about it so that fans can hear it and and they can, you know, know that you reached out to Kenny and you guys talked Mm -hmm. and there was some closure there because I didn't know that. And I'm I'm pretty close to, you know, things. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of a lot of fans, um, both on Xavier and UC side, what would be really crazy is we if we got you two together and took a picture. Like we need to get oh, yeah. together and post that. That would yeah. that would go. That would make Twitter and Instagram go crazy right there. Yeah, um, yeah. People would be shocked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, people think there's like this ongoing, you know, beef. But even in um, I was playing. I went to Puerto Rico to play summer, and we were playing two Holloway, and he came out to warm up. I came out seeing him. We walked to half court and. That was the first time me and two had talked, like really talked in person, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was crazy because people were had him thinking that I had a problem with him, and people was doing the same with me, you know, telling me all oh, two blah blah blah. And when we see each other put it, we tell you know, I told I told her I was like, you know, I ain't got no, you know, no lasting beef or anything. But he was like, yeah, me neither. You know, I don't know why people. And then we ended up not even really doing our school room and we ended up sitting there talking about it and, you know, got some laughs about it and stuff and then we went and hung out after the game, you know. And Mark Lyons the same way we was in uh, Israel together. Mm-hmm. You know, went out together, party together. He even came over to my uh, apartment a couple of times when other players did. But, mm-hmm. And it's See, like, people, there's, there's not people a just don't, People just don't know that, Yancey. Yeah, they they don't know that that happened. So I'm so glad that you're. Is this the fir- is this one of the first times that you publicly like talked about this? Is the first this? time. Yeah. This is wow. The first time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time. 
man. This is good stuff, man. This is good stuff. But I think people will I mean, they're gonna have a tremendous amount of respect for you after they after they hear this how you handle it and your conversation with Kenny and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So let's let's talk about let's segue into the <laughs> finishing the season. Um you were suspended and what was crazy is and I'll never forget this. That game, the Xavier game's over. Um, you guys got to quickly turn around and play Wright State. Obviously, you can't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and an undermanned Bearcat team playing Wright State. And the team really bonded that game and came together. And the team went on a seven-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how tough was that for you to to watch games knowing you wanted to be out there and helping your teammates? Oh yeah, that was that was the toughest part watching games, uh-huh. and because you just want to play, and it's a senior year too, so it's like you don't get those games back. So uh-huh. you know, just want to be out there and, and doing your part, and just you know, the best thing the best thing that happened was they won all of them. Yeah, that was the yep. best thing that happened. Yep, because the urge and the want to play, kind of it kind of eased by the wins. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yep. But, it, you know, nothing still, never, nothing that never filled a hunger to just want to be on the floor, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I get it. Now, what, now, what game did you, did you return? I can't remember the, the first uh, game you came back. Notre, it was Notre Dame. Okay, so that was part of the seventh game winning streak. So, you were out six and you came back Notre Dame. Okay, you guys blew Notre Dame out that game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we beat Notre Dame. Yep. I do, I do, I do remember that now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, there, there's one thing that I don't think you get enough credit for, and I'm going to make sure you get the credit right now, and that is when you came back after the suspension, how you blended back with the team. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that people probably, I don't know if they fully understood how you blended because, in some ways, the team played a different style. Yeah. In it. Am I right? Yeah, we switched the whole offense. Absolutely. And then you came back, and you don't get enough credit, I think, for saying, look, I've been out. I get what's going on. Let me blend in and, and, and get back to, to being Yancey and, and help this mm-hmm. ball club. Yeah, for sure. Like I, like, I was, like, I was, you know, running the offense, you know, in practice. I was still able to practice. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was it was totally different because, you know, before that, the whole offense was High post, low post, everything. And then mm-hmm. we went to a, a like a really a straight guard offense to where, yep. you know, that's that's tough for a lot of bigs to be able to adapt and you know change up and be able to still be effective in that. Mm-hmm. But it was one, and it's funny because me and Casimir, you know, we always laugh. I used to tell him, I was like, man, there's no offense I can't play, and I'm too versatile. And they used to laugh. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. I need to tell like you put me in any system, I'm going to be okay. Uh-huh. And it was funny because after we played Notre Dame, we won, and I came off the bench that game. And then we played St. John's after that, and I came off the bench again. And I don't know why. I was kind of expecting to start the, the St. John's game. But – and we ended up losing that game by, by a tip-in, uh-huh. a buzzer. Yep. And I'll never forget, I was on the bench. And I told Justin, I said, Justin, I said, the only thing you have to do, I said, you don't even really have to guard your man because they're not going to him. I said, get the rebound. And he was mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. And 
of course, Justin, too much energy. Mm-hmm. Boom, he yep. helps. They shoot it, he helps. Boom, took in game. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, like, when I was, at the time I was pissed because I felt like I should have been in the game. I know I just got back, but come on, Curry, like, I should have been in the game. Yep. But it was also good for us, too, because I think it kind of made people in the team, too, because there was, you know, some players kind of realized, like, oh, okay, we really are missing here. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. We went on the seven. We went on the six-game win streak while I was out, but man, we back in the big east. You know, like it's it's back to reality. They needed and, you, mm-hmm. and so I think that was that kind of helped the guys realize, like, okay, like we do still need Yancey, mm-hmm. and that made it easier for me to be able to transition back into the whole new offense because now instead of them feeling like, oh, we got it. Now it's like, okay, we're going to look for him too still. You know, we're right. breaking down, getting in the middle. Uh, we're going to come down and just throw him a post up right here. So, you know, it it, it worked. It worked. It ended up actually working out perfectly. Yeah, for sure. And, they, they, listen, they needed you to beat teams like, you know, Georgetown, mm-hmm. um, Connecticut. I think you guys beat Louisville that year. All yeah. all teams were ranked, but they, they needed, you know, someone like you to help get over that hump. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to talk about is, and, and you guys, um, <clears throat> as you guys finished up that season, um, had a nice run. But but going into the NCAA tournament, um, I really think, and I, I remember this. I remember the start of the NCAA tournament. You guys drew Texas mm-hmm. um, and had Florida State the next round. I, I just remember, I'm like, and, and both games were, you know, decently close, not, you know, super close, but... I just remember, like, man, this team might be able to – they might be able to do it. They mm-hmm. might be able to make that run. Um, how, how did you feel? And being the senior leader last season, how did you feel going into that NCAA tournament? Oh, yeah, we, we were confident because we had mm-hmm. – you know, and we were hungry because we had just lost – we had just lost to Louisville in the Big East Championship. We felt we could have easily won that game just the way we lost. Mm-hmm. So – I think that kind of helped us and gave us that hunger back. You know, we still we felt like okay, we got we still got a little something to prove. You know, after mm-hmm. we lost that game, and you know, we had me and Dion was seniors, so we like okay, now each game is the last game. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like you know that hunger and that urgency and and like the confidence too. You know, mm-hmm. we had been to the NCAA tournament before now, so it wasn't new. Now mm-hmm. it was. Now, instead of just the whole excitement of it being new in our first time and, like, man, we finally got here, now it's like we're supposed to be here and we're going to show people why we're here again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, especially, you know, through those first two games, that's kind of what drove us because, you know, Florida State, they had won the ACC that year. So, you know, team, a lot of people had us losing that game. But yep, they did. we felt like we could be anybody on any given day. Mm-hmm. And it was just you know, that hunger and that grind. And the, we had, a, you know, we had players on our team, you know, we always felt we had to show people, you know, why we here and we belong here. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think that's what kind of drove us. And, and and going into that Ohio State game, now listen, I think it's different for someone like you. You're from the state of Ohio. You're from Cincinnati. We know Cincinnati, Ohio State, the feelings there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even bigger, you were recruited by both schools. Mm-hmm. So 
how big was that? What was your like? What was your mentality going into that Ohio State game? Well, you know, honestly, I was I was so into just being in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like I knew all those things, but I just wanted to win to get to the next round. Yep. Like nothing else mattered at that time but getting to the next round. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I want to beat Ohio State, but if if Purdue was in front of us, I would want to beat them just as bad as I want to beat Ohio State right now. So yep. it was like, you know, all that extra stuff, you know, the Ohio State rivalry thing, it would have been amazing after the game if we could have won. Mm-hmm. But, like, before and during that game, we were kind of like, we just wanted to win. You know, it didn't matter who who was in front of us. It, like, it was the NCAA tournament. For sure. And we just wanted to win. And, you know, Cronin did, it, Cronin did a good job you know, especially during that time of kind of, you know, don't be on your phone so much. And, you know, don't don't listen to everybody calling you, telling you uh, it's your time to shine. Just just play. <laughs> you know, just, yep. you know, the instant tournament, you know, that's when a lot of phone calls start coming in. Yep. And, you know, that can really hurt the team if one player feeds into that one call and just goes off on his own. Yep. So, and you know, we, we had to we we had the type of team anyway to where tonight go off Dixon, like you did uh, example like you did against Florida State. Mm-hmm. And you know, the next like the next night it might be Cass or me or Park, you know, or S T mm-hmm. you know. So we had that kind of team all year, so you know, Cronin did a good job of, you know, keeping everybody, you know, focused and we was just able to let it ride how how it went. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, I think if you guys beat Ohio State, you play Syracuse that next game, and I think you mm-hmm. beat Syracuse. Yeah, I do too. You know, I, I, I really, don't you? So I'm like, man, we were, we were, and I think that kind of hurt us that we were wanting to get to Syracuse so bad. Mm-hmm. We were like, man, if we get past Ohio State, we felt like we're gonna go into the Final Four. Yeah, and you crazy. know, by me being from Cincinnati, I'm like. Oh man, man. did this and that. I saw, you know, I'm, you know, I'm like, and I'm from Cincinnati. I'm like, we get to the final four. I'm like, I'm a guy out here. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> no question. <laughs> you know, so it was just like that. It just, uh, just to just win, like, yeah. And it, it was, it was just, man, it was just so fun because the whole team felt the same way. You know how the NCAA tournament goes. You out there vibing with your team. You're in the hotels. You're eating together. You're practicing yep. on the bus ride. And they, they always tell people, Biggie's tournament and NCAA tournament was the funnest time of my life so far. Oh, yeah. No question. I, I got to ask you this. So I've talked to Justin Jackson. I've talked to Kashmir. And it's the first time I'm asking you this question. Those uniforms. Mm-hmm. The the Verse Ohio State your your guys' uniforms the I guess we want to call them the orange uniforms <laughs> I say orange they say infrared <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're orange right well, what uh, what what are your thoughts on those uh my see my my year when we won the jerseys were nice the shorts were ugly mm-hmm. but I did like the jerseys uh-huh. because okay. we didn't we didn't have the shoes my senior year. Okay. They make sure they have the sleeves. And mm-hmm. the, I like the gray. But even though we didn't wear the gray against Ohio State, we wore the gray against Texas. I like mm-hmm. the gray because no other Bearcat team had wore gray. Yeah, true. 
Right. So that was that was like the, the short. They could have just made the short as a solid black or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah. what that like tiger or leopard plant, whatever it is going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's that's like one of those uniforms that man. It's just like there's it's either you you liked them or you hated mm-hmm. them. Yep. Like there was it was it was just one of those things. But yeah, I'll just never forget those those mm-hmm. orange unis. But let, let, I do want to talk about your pro career. Um, so if you could get, quickly give us a rundown on where you've played um, since you've left UC. Oh, let's see. I've been to. <laughs> Been in Lithuania, went to Israel for three years, Germany, France, China, Turkey, and Mexico. Wow. Now, now, how was okay? So, I'm always fascinated with players that go on and play overseas, especially ones that they're players that haven't been really outside of the United States. And now you're thrown in in these different cultures, different languages, mm-hmm. different foods. Mm-hmm. For you, how did you how did you adapt to all this? Oh well, my first year in Lithuania, I was in this small village type town where all it was was my apartment, the gym, and grocery stores. And the mm-hmm. closest mall movie theater was about fifty minutes away. Mm-hmm. And like the city was shut down, was the village town was shut down at ten o'clock. And when I say shut down, like they ain't even a street light on the outside. So you look out the window, it's pitch black. Wow. And it's snowing, it's cold. You know, it's raining, real freezing cold. And you know, it was different. We practicing twice a day, blind and gym cold. And you know, this is my first year out. So my first year. What really got me through it was going to the bank every month. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm like, man, I'm going to the bank every month. And it's my first time making some real money to where I'm able to, you know. And I have a daughter at the time, so you know, I'm taking care of my daughter. You know, if, if my mom needed a little help with her or dad or something, I was able to do that. My sisters. And, you know, that kept me going. You know, it kept me, you know, focused. Mm-hmm. And... I think because I went there and it was such a culture shock that mm-hmm. it made it easier. Because like one, like the year after that, I went to Israel. So now I'm going from freezing cold to I'm on the beach for Christmas, and we practicing once a day in Israel. And they got like they got these parties on the beach. There's two, three thousand people out here. Like, <laughs> so I'm like. I'm I'm in Israel now. I don't went from nothing to I'm having a blast. And, mm-hmm. and once I and, I and that's why I say I think because I went through such a grind my first year, it made every other year easier because I felt like it couldn't get worse than my first year. <laughs> right. And just you know, just the grind and the process and you know, English has become, you know, English is everybody's language now. They speak English everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, except China. When I was in China, that was miserable. But, yeah. But China pays too much <laughs> to leave, so it was like, hey, I'm in. I'm gonna stick it out. You got to deal but, with it. 
Yeah, but all the other countries was great, like especially Germany and Israel and France. Those countries were even just where I was at in Turkey. Those places were great. Culture mm-hmm. was great. They spoke English, and you know I was able to not only enjoy basketball but also enjoy like, their culture and their lifestyle. Yeah, do you do you think your your professional career? You're still playing, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still playing. Yeah, and your professional career overseas and, and, and going to all these different countries, um, do you think it's it's um, it's changed you in any ways? It helped you, you grow as a person? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because now I look at things like, I look at things totally different. You know, when you've only been able to experience, you know, one country, one culture, and, you know, you become kind of tunnel vision towards all those beliefs and the way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And when I was able to go, you know, when I go to these countries, I try to actually learn about their culture and their religion. And, you know, well, why, why might y'all do this when versus at home we do this? Right. And it's really opened my mind up to the world is so big <laughs> and there's so much to offer in the world yep. that people can't even imagine is is unbelievable mm-hmm. because I've I've been to little nicks and cracks in countries where people don't even know exist mm-hmm. and I've been able to, to you know hang out with different people in different cultures even see how they party how they how they pray how been, I've been to Jewish weddings in Israel and all type of things. And it's just opened my eyes up to just, you know, being open-minded about things more than I used to be. Yeah, for sure. Now, how many more years do you think uh, you're going to play? Oh, uh, you know, I've been blessed not to have any injuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ideally, I would I would want to be around, around 35 when I'm done. Okay. How old are you now? 30. It's about okay. five more. Good, a, good, okay. a good five more years, I think that would clinch my thirties. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, like I tell people all the time, you know, people be like, "You still enjoy it? I, I still love it." Mm-hmm. You know, I love. You know, the hardest part is leaving the family, but mm. you know, it's, it's it's exciting getting on that plane and flying over and getting off into a new world. It feels yeah. like sometimes, mm-hmm. and meeting people. You know, meeting new friends, meeting meeting different women, and playing in different <laughs> cities, yeah, different languages, and the way that those fans over there embrace sports is still the college atmosphere. It's amazing. Like they yeah. they love you out mm-hmm. there. Like I walk into you know a Cold Stone, like Turkey. I'm in Turkey. I go to Cold Stone, and the guy, I'll, I'll never take your money. Because we beat a team who they like, <laughs> you know. So, oh wow! Yeah, it, it, it's, it's I love it. It's amazing. Like it's like five star treatment. Isn't it amazing the game of basketball, the 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 places it can take you, the people you can meet. Oh yeah, yeah it's, and it's amazing how basketball is a universal language. Yep. I've been on the court with players that don't speak no English at all, mm-hmm. and, but when we got on the court, we all spoke the same language. Crazy, and yeah, I, I tell people all the time, man. Basketball is is deeper than people know, man. It's mm-hmm. not just 
it's not just a game, you know, we try to, who's going to win. It's, it's having a life. I have friends now in different countries who I still keep in contact with. We talk. Even when I'm overseas, if we get, like, a break and I don't want to take the 14-hour trip home, I might just fly into Israel and go hang out with my friends there or something. Like, it's, it's changed my whole life. Oh, that's that's cool. That's cool. Just just a dude from Cincinnati going yep. all around the world. It's crazy when you sit back and think about it. I mean, the the, the places you've been and the things you've done, and, and you mm-hmm. just you're, you're playing – High school basketball with throw not long ago. Right. Um, but, uh, hey, listen, at the end of the podcast, I always like to do some quick questions, quick answers. All right, okay. you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. Quick questions, quick answers with Yancey Gates. Growing up in Cincinnati, um, you had an opportunity to watch a lot of Bearcat basketball. So who was your favorite Bearcat player growing up? Mm, that's tough, man. Off the top of the head, I would go Kenyon Martin, because he's the Ken- reason I started to love Bearcat basketball, really. Kenyon Martin, good answer. My old teammate. Love it. Yeah. <clears throat> Ow. Y'all had the best game. Oh, <laughs> bro. <laughs> no question. Um, they weren't orange. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm going to I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to actually take it back to something you said earlier and that was, you know, one of your favorite players growing up was Shaquille O'Neal. He wore 34, you wore 34. So my question is this. A prime Yancey Gates versus a prime Shaq one-on-one. Who would win and what would be the score? Mm. What are we playing to? Playing to 10. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get Shaq, I'm gonna beat Shaq probably ten eight because he, <laughs> he ain't making no jump shots. He can't step outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna foul him every time he get by him. Knock his Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Have you ever met Shaq? I did once playing AU. We were down in uh, National Seventh Grade National when he had just went to Miami. Mm. He was he had just got traded to Miami and we were down there in Orlando at Disney World and he came through the gym and we were playing and this is this is how big of a fan I was. We were in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. The national tournament at Disney World. Shaq's doing a walkthrough through the gym. I look up and I see him. And probably two, three minutes later, boom, halftime hit. I didn't even go to the bench. I walked out I walked from where we were playing out to see if Shaq was still there and I ran up to him. Just so I can shake your hand. I didn't even go to the bench in the middle of our game. I, I don't blame you, bro. I, I, I would have done the same thing if that was Michael yeah. Jordan right there. I yeah, the I'm, I'm like, I'm, I might not never get this chance again. Yep. Yeah, so, yep. Yeah. That's, that's funny. All right. Actually, this is a good segue to my next question because obviously you're a big dude. Sack's a big dude. My next question is if you could be any height and size, what would you be? Would you would you want to be the height and size you are now, or if you could be another size, what would you be? Mm, I would take if I could have got to about six ten and a half, just about another inch and a half. That'd have been mm-hmm. so. Yeah, just a little taller. Yeah, just a little bit taller. And that's interesting you say that because a lot of big players that I talk to often say they wish they were shorter in guards because. Well, one, the style of play sometimes. They want to shoot more mm-hmm. threes and all this. But some of them say just the, 
the quality of living. Like when you're on an airplane, that can't be comfortable sometimes. Oh, certain, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> certain it cars, was. things. I mean, that's tough, right? Yeah, but yeah, it is. But I like I, I've been told my whole life. You used to, and it. yeah, and I I I loved being tall. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine being short earnestly. Yeah. So if I could have got to about sixteen and a half, not quite seven foot, because that's when stuff really that's when you're real tall. You can't fit in nowhere. About sixteen and a half. Yep. I think that would have been perfect for me. Gotcha. All right, my last, my fourth and final question for you is: Do you have a hidden talent that would surprise the Bearcat fans to know about? A hidden talent. You might have Yancy. Uh, I would probably say music. I used to play. The, I played the drums for my church when I was younger. Ah, drummer. Can you still play? Yeah, I can still play. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, yeah. that is something I didn't know. Sure, Bearcat fans <laughs> didn't know. No, that's good. Hey, hey, listen, man. I I really appreciate you uh, coming on, and um, and oh, I, I thought cool. it was, I thought it was important to to, to talk about your career. I think um, during the course of your college career, just kind of your development, how important you were to kind of taking the program to the next level and to, to, to back to where it used to be. You were, you know, one of the, the key pieces to doing that. And I, I wanted to make sure Bearcat fans remember that. Um, and, and man, just the fact that you really explained and talked about um, that brawl and the Kenny Freeze relationship. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know. A lot of Bearcat fans didn't know. Um, but, no, this was this was really, really good, man, and I, I appreciate you doing this. Oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on here, too. Yeah. Actually, you know, by that day, that was, like I said, that was the first time I really ever talked about the brawl and, Kenny, and you know, my thing with Kenny Freeze, mm-hmm. you know, in public, so – you know, I appreciate that. You know. Yeah, man, that's that's big, man. It, it, trust me, man. This it, is gonna be that's gonna be a big listen to podcast, man. People really gonna check this out, man. So I want to thank you, man. And um, yeah, we gotta get you back to some some Bearcat games. You know, I know Coach Brandon's yeah, there sure. now. Don't know how well you know him, but uh, we definitely gotta get you back in the house. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right, brother. Well, hey, man, I'll let you roll. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll definitely catch up soon, all right? All right, thank you. Thank all right, Ian. Talk to you, man. You too. You too. I want to thank everybody for listening to our special episode, our interview series of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. And once again, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. On Snapchat, at Big Meach 41 and soon to be on TikTok. I appreciate everybody listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats!